0: Thanks for tuning in today. It's Kevin with Bison Moon Group, Reach the Moon Podcast. I'm here today with Industrial Growth. She's a metal art professional. She makes tables, bookends, actual just art that shows her feelings. Most definitely jump onto her website, industrialgrowth.ca and check out what she does. Maggie, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So, how did you get into your art?
1: So my love of art kind of began when I started welding. About a decade ago, I became an apprentice welder, and I found that I always just kind of saw artwork in the scrap pile.
0: That's funny that you say scrap pile. I worked in a scrap yard for 7 years, and it's incredible what people throw away.
1: Absolutely. It's it's one of my like one of my favorite places to go is the scrap yard. That's how I began was taking Cutoffs or leftover material from the jobs I would work on, and uh, the very first thing I ever made was a coffee table for a friend.
0: Do you have any relationships with the scrapyards around town? For the most part, they're closed doors, uh, meaning that they don't let people wander in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For when you need when you need like actual like lengths of material, you can visit the scrapyards for that. It's really rare to find a scrapyard. That actually will let you go in and rummage and pick and choose things. So there's a place I like to go to, and I'm I want to keep that a secret if that's okay with you.
0: No, that's fine. I also <laughs> uh, have a relationship with a welding shop, and they let me take out of their scrap bin, but I have permission from the owner. Uh, yeah. So if I ever need a chunk of scrap, you know what I mean, to hang a tool from or whatever, they're useful, but. I know even going into a bin, like when you see one in a company, it's considered Mm -hmm. stealing nowadays with the security cameras around.
1: Yeah, exactly. You have to, you know, but it's interesting when, you know, just when you speak to people, you know, like people that I meet through art shows and things like that, as soon as they see what I do, it's amazing how many people, oh, I have something to give you. My brother-in-law works on cars out of his garage, and so there's often... Stuff that I can get from him and and of course, I still work at a welding shop, so oftentimes when there's cutoffs i can I can scoop that stuff up before it hits the scrap bin.
0: That's cool kind of what type of person are you? What time do you get up in the morning? That really
1: varies on days that I get to commit to working on art. I am up by five twenty in the morning, I exercise for an hour from six till seven, and then I head straight to the shop so at about Seven thirty, seven forty is when my art
0: day starts. Do you find being physically fit is an asset to the company?
1: Yeah, I thought, well, I find it makes a difference for my whole life. And I find the, like obviously being physically fit really helps and having strength helps because you're lifting heavy stuff all day. But what I found was really creating and starting to nurture this business and this this career that I'm creating in art has kind of caused many other things in my life to flow, eating well and exercise being one of those things.
0: What's on your daily to-do list in the way of your business? What is it that you try to achieve at least a little bit every day?
1: Like I kind of have a whole structure of of things that I want to fulfill on. You know, it's you could you could call it, I call it a structure for fulfillment. You could call it kind of a business plan or an action plan as well. So I I try to Read that every day, update it, add notes, and and kind of create off that. I, my day starts with that, and obviously answering emails, doing those kind of things, and then to try and get into the shop and create. Another another thing, obviously, that's on my to do, which you know I think every person in the world or every entrepreneur has to do now, is to be on social media and have a presence there. You know, every day or every couple of days, to kind of keep keep your followers up to date.
0: Being an entrepreneur, is this your first business?
1: No, not exactly. I uh, when I was welding um, after I got my journeyman ticket in 2013, and then got my B pressure ticket shortly after that. I actually started my own limited company, and I worked by hand um, as a contract welder, and so I did that. For a couple of years, and so I have a little bit of experience as far as, you know, claiming things, saving all the receipts, doing the bookkeeping, and um, and then shortly after I closed that business and, and took an office job with the company I work for part-time now, I started this sole proprietorship in our work.
0: Do you feel like the company you work for now helps you at all in your business, or are they... Uh... Okay with you running a business on the side?
1: Absolutely. They are so supportive. So I work for ADCO Power, ADCO Power in Edmonton. I worked full-time in the office with them since uh, August of 2016. And when I really, in, in October of 2017, when I, when I really jumped into creating this business, for one, they're so supportive. They let me use the shop space when i i had a conversation a year after that in october 2018 i saw like what i need is more time like if i want to create this business and make everything and attend all the shows i want to attend i need more time so i popped into my boss's office and said like hey i've kind of been tossing this idea around in my head i'd like to go part time right away my boss you know grabbed a pen and paper and started taking notes and i was just blown away by that. So that was that was mid October 2018 and two weeks after that, November November 1st, 2018, I was officially part-time with them. So I I work Monday, Wednesday, Friday as a safety officer and I do quality control. So Tuesday Thursdays I rent shop space from them, buy consumables from them and I get to use that space, make art and still use use my office as well. So the company I work for is absolutely great at, at supporting me in this in this venture.
0: You kind of made me have a few fall-off questions from that. Did mm-hmm. you grow up in Edmonton? Well, I grew up in
1: Beaumont, just south of Edmonton. But yeah, it's kind of always been my hub.
0: Do you speak French?
1: I do. I do. Um, probably not very well, but I get to practice my French more and more now with my stepson, because he's in French immersion.
0: Oh, good stuff. The uh, Beaumont is very (laughs) French-driven. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, kind of growing up in the Edmonton area then, how did you come across to be a welder? It's not usually a female trade. I think more females should be into it. I took two weeks of welding in in what I took in college, and uh, I can actually lay a bead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So how I got into it was actually – the company I worked for, my dad used to work here. I was kind of not like a dead end job, but I was I was working a really low paying paying job at the time. It was us. Um, so summer of 2009. You know, my dad said, "Come work here. Come clean the shop." So I spent the summer doing that, and then wound up coming back the next summer in in 2010. And it was a it was a journeyman working there at the time that said, "You know what? Like you're you're here. You're like you're kind of learning stuff." you know kind of through osmosis and so he encouraged me to get my blue book so i i did all my first year hours went to first year school and i and i still didn't quite know if i wanted to be a welder and so i i stepped away from it i went to spend a bunch of time in bc and you know see if i wanted to you know live the west coast life i i did really miss it so i came back and and i completed and got my journeyman ticket in in 2013 it is it's not not a trade where a lot of women work but there are more and more that you see and and, right it comes with its own own challenges and difficulties but I'm really glad I did it like building stuff has you know it's been one of the best jobs
0: I've had you also talked about consumables Um, Mm -hmm. in your craft of course people I'm sure would think of welding rods and stuff but what's your second kind of biggest expensive consumable that you didn't really plan for you know,
1: I guess it's not a huge expense, but an expense that I didn't necessarily expect was how much paint that that I buy, because I found that more and more I'm enjoying adding some color. Although many of my, you know, I still have pieces that I just leave raw metal, and if, if people put them outside, they'll rust, but uh, I've been buying lots of paint. One expense that I have that is totally different now that I'm an artist is Clothing and gloves, and that kind of consumable because, right, when you're welding, you're burning through your clothes, you're wearing out your gloves. And when you're welding and working for another company, um, something like gloves is usually provided for you. So, you know, you wear through your gloves and there's holes in them. Well, you chuck them out and you get a new pair from the tool crib. But that's an expense that, you know, now that it's my own, it's, uh, it, it's kind of I look at it a lot differently now, and I value those clothes that I burned through a little bit more now.
0: How much does a pair of gloves cost, and how long do they last?
1: They're probably in the range of twenty to thirty dollars each. I'll make my gloves last like a like a long time, probably two to three months. I can wear them out. As and that- I always think
0: this part's interesting. How expensive are the welding boots?
1: Oh, steel-toed boots. I don't cheap out on boots. I'll spend like two hundred and fifty bucks on boots because and that all
0: goes into part of the cost of doing the art is to make sure you're protected while you're doing it.
1: it, Yeah, it is essentially, and you know, so I'm not gonna tack on, you know, the day I buy boots, I'm not gonna tack on two hundred and fifty dollars to the next art piece I make, right? But it's it's something that kind of gets spread out among it, but it's it is it's something that you need.
0: Huh, that's really interesting. And mm-hmm. the the clothing thing is so true. I actually was working <laughs> yes. right beside a welder, so my hands were holding what he was gonna weld, and I was wearing a short sleeve shirt like the smart guy yep. I am. Yes. Holy. You forget how much bounces off your arms while you're helping somebody <laughs> and your yeah. eyes are closed. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gloves and long sleeve shirts and yeah, you burn through those and
0: Hey guys, I want to take a quick break and say thank you for today's sponsor, LeBlanc Painting. He's been painting for over 20 years, covering from Camrose, Sherwood Park, Edmonton, Beaumont. If you guys ever need a painter, please keep him in mind. They do commercial and residential places. If you are in a commercial building, don't just use a random employee. Trust them to cut around all the corners, your sign, your logo. Remember, when a new customer walks into your building, They're taking everything in to set that first impression. Make sure the paint on your walls is as professional as you are. LeBlanc Painting, Morris. Give me a call, 780-908-0421. Please reach out to Morris, 780-908-0421. LeBlanc Painting. While making your art, is there a secondary benefit that the customer would receive from your art?
1: So besides having something that just, you know, brings beauty to their home and, you know, and a way to, you know, a way to start a conversation with people, I suppose like the secondary benefit would be that, like, they're not only supporting me, but they're they're actually really, you know, starting to support a whole community of small businesses. Because when I get to create art, I... I use my friend, Jackie Hoffman, who she runs a small business called Jackie Dawn Photography. And so I use her to take all my photos. I, I use a small business, T. Belinsky Creative. She helps me build my website. My bookkeeping is done by a lady named Teresa Bruner, running Teresa Bruner Consulting. And in turn, right, like we, we talked about fitness goals. So in supporting my art business, I get to continue to pay a small business called Exist Fitness in Shearwood Park to go take these classes. So that's like an offshoot benefit of, you know, if people are buying my artwork to decorate their home or their landscaping outside, I get to, in turn, give back to all these other small businesses that I
0: work hard to support too. That's a great answer. I, I like that one. Having the extra day off, um, you said you have Fridays off, which would probably lead into you doing some trade shows on the weekends.
1: Yeah. Well, and I do do work for Adco on Fridays. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I work for them.
0: Oh, I missed that part. Sorry.
1: No, that's okay. But that's something, again, with their flexibility is they have allowed me, you know, like, hey, I've got a show that starts Friday night and I've got to be there early to set up they're they're so flexible with me and it does allow me to attend you know shows that start on friday or when i go and set up
0: well that was kind of what i was getting into i've done trade shows in the past what's a cost set or something that you didn't really plan on heading to them like i would imagine it's almost backbreaking moving in all your pieces because you're heavy and then uh you still have all the trade show pamphlets and everything you have to hand out do you attend many of them
1: Try to attend quite a few shows. Actually, March was so busy. I did four kind of vendor markets. I did art auction. I actually did a showcase in Calgary in March. March was awesome. But yeah, that's that's one thing uh, that you don't always think of is yeah how long the load in and load out takes. Right, you pointed to a lot of my items being heavy, and they're also a lot of them are all different shapes and sizes. So the the process of tetrising my vehicle, and it's different every time depending on what I've built and what I'm bringing. Right, I didn't always account for right off the bat when I started doing these shows. Was, you know, this this stuff is heavy and it's and it's funny shaped, and and so that's something that I typically request often now when uh, when I'm applying for a show is give me a spot, you know, closer to the load in load out door.
0: Cool. It's uh that that's actually really interesting. What about uh power? Are any of your pieces provide like require power?
1: Uh not not right now, no. And that's uh like that's something that, you know, I would I would love to to do is, you know, start building um, you know, some other functional art and, you know, in ways of lamps and then it can actually be lit up. At at times I've I've required required power to my station like when I've done a Christmas show. Um, I made a whole bunch of aluminum ornaments and you can see those on my on my Instagram. So I actually lit up a little Christmas tree and had those so you could actually see what it looks like, you know, rather than them all just being laid out on a table. But power is not often something. and, And that also is really venue dependent. Like I've done shows that, you know, just the venue is not as well lit. And so that comes kind of with practice, because the, the first time I did that show, was, you know, I didn't even consider needing power. And then when I got there and got set up, I see, it would have been such a great thing to have um, to bring some light to the pieces because of the darkness of the venue.
0: What's the cheapest venue you've ever played and what's the most expensive one you've ever had your showing at?
1: Some of the best priced, uh, the hand-to-hand market. They run uh, two shows a year, and they're a, a great and well-organized show. And I'm actually coming up May 4th, I've got Spring Market with them. And so that's at the Terwilliger Community Church. And so they're a great price for, for vendors, as well the Strathairn Art Walk. So the Strathern Art Walk is huge, and they have quite a few sponsors. So that allows them to, to keep the booths. Cost quite low for us. Last year was it was seventy five dollars, and I'm not sure if that's changed at all. And I find I haven't done any that are really expensive to be a part of, because there are some that are, you know, four hundred, five hundred, over a thousand dollars to to have your booth. And at this point where I am in my business, I choose to not participate in those. So far, the most expensive one have been like just under two hundred dollars, um, for the table cost itself.
0: And how many pieces do you usually bring into a place? Larger, I usually only bring, you know, maybe
1: 4 to to 6 of those, and I find those get they get admired quite a lot and at a vendor market, I find those typically aren't the ones that sell, the odd time they do, but they're more expensively priced. And so I try to always bring some smaller items like the like the bookends that you'll see the little garden bugs that I make. You can see those on Instagram too. Those go, those move better at a at a vendor market, um, just because they're I'm able to sell them at a lower price. In in spring, I'll I'll try and bring, you know, at least you know 50 or 75 bugs and have them all ready. And and at Christmas with my ornaments, you know, I'll bring hundred of those and and uh, have smaller items available to people.
0: How do you set your pricing per object? Or, like, let's say you made a beautiful uh, coffee table. Uh, how would yeah. you set your prices for something like that?
1: As far as pricing goes, I kind of look at how many hours did it take me to create, and I'll pay myself an hourly wage for that. I'll I'll usually take, okay, well, if it took me three days, this is how much I, I paid rent for those those days in the shop. And sometimes when, like I said, I I went to Calgary for an art showcase at the Ranchman's Club. When I drive distances like that, I'll incorporate, you know, the driving expense and for further distances.
0: That's completely understandable. Thank you for going into that. How can I help you reach the moon?
1: All right. So I was thinking of ways because I was listening to some of your other podcasts. Something that I would love, like as far as material goes, I would love some sheet steel. You know, like I said so many people will see my work and go, "Oh, I have this line around. I have this line around." I always love scrap material, so whatever you've got, you could send me an email. Other ways that I would love to reach the moon is to to have mentorship from like another metal artist or another experienced artist kind of in the in the sculpture realm of things and just like kind of promoting my work, I know that's a big wish list
0: <laughs> as an entrepreneur we're always dreaming, so don't feel bad
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Where do you see the company going? Do you want to hire somebody else to well beside you and make similar items, or are you happy plugging away by yourself?
1: I'm happy plugging away by myself where Where I see this going is like my game my game is by the end of this year, by, by fall of this year, I'm working as a full-time artist. That's, that's part of my structure, my action plan that I'm playing for.
0: Wow. I, I really hope, and your art is amazing. And I believe that you could achieve it. Thank you. Have you ever used a performance coach?
1: I started taking performance coaching in May of 2018 and at first, when I started it, I kind of was using it for many areas of my life, and then really in in the last couple of sessions, um, have really narrowed in on artwork and and what I want to achieve and kind of my future fulfilled with my art career. And it's it's great having a personal performance coach because you have somebody who. You know, they have your back in that area of your life. They your performance coach will listen to you as nothing other than what you say you are.
0: I like that thought, because sometimes like I don't always feel alone. You know, I mean, I have family that helps me, but Mm -hmm. it's okay. What should I really be focusing on minus making money?
1: Yeah, that performance coach, you know, they listen to you as nothing other than what you say you are, I say I'm a successful full-time metal artist, and my coach listens to me as nothing other than that. So even when I'm not listening to myself like that, she is. And right, it's it's oftentimes keeping that that future fulfilled in mind because or else sometimes you can just get consumed by, you know, I got to make money, I got to make money. I'm I'm not going to be able to buy groceries. I I need this, I need this, right, and it it can kind of start to, well, for one, really mess with your ability to be creative, you know, when you're just in in survival mode. And so that would be, you know, some advice if that's available to people. That's really made a difference for me. And something that I, I didn't really nurture right off the bat and I'm starting to get into now is really being involved in the community because, yes, you can get on the list and go to vendor shows, and people find out about you there. But what I'm really trying to grow now is my involvement in the actual arts community. And so I've become a CARFAC member. They're an artist-run organization. They provide mentorship and I attend their workshops. And so it's a way to, to get involved and kind of some, some professional development in that sense.
0: Have you teamed up with any other artists, like where their medium might be working with your medium?
1: I've I've actually I've talked with with a couple about collaborating. His name is Travis and he owns the company Fitted Furnishings and he makes beautiful functional art, furniture out of out of fitted and threaded pipe and fittings. And so although we haven't like collaborated and built a project together, we often talk and discuss and have kinda helped each other out, you know, because of the company that I work for, I was able to send him to one of the distributors we use so he can get some of his stuff at a way better cost. In turn, when he has scrap that's useful to me, I go meet with him. And there are collaboration plans in the future. So I hope I can I can make those happen.
0: That's good foresight to uh, look into the future as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. What's something that brings you down or that you didn't expect or kind of, I'm not saying your worst moment, but what's something that people don't expect you to struggle with?
1: So something that brings me down or that people wouldn't expect?
0: Yeah. I can ask you a different question, too, if you want.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess if maybe we'll edit this out, but I guess something that i see is people really being gung ho about wanting something built, building a commission, and you kind of plan it out and you know incorporate that into like okay, like this is what's going to get built and then and then it doesn't follow through. But i guess that's my inexperience of being a business owner, you know, when when you're a contract welder, you just kind of get hired, you go do the job and then the job ends, but i'm new to the experience of, you know, people you know, saying they want this. I give them a quote and then, and then it doesn't happen. You know, the experience I'm gaining, um, that's something that I'm learning obviously is just part of doing business.
0: What a great answer. That's the truth. Sometimes you'll bid a job and it's like, why won't you for that price? Like I'm going to put in so much time and energy. Why won't you Mm -hmm. follow through with it?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just want to call them back and be like, come on, this is going to be awesome. <laughs>
0: um, have you made a pitch in the last little while, um, either to grow the company or a sales pitch or a plan pitch, that you uh, want to see see succeed?
1: Do you think a, a submission to an art gallery could be considered a pitch?
0: Most definitely.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, that's the one of the biggest things I'm playing for now is, um, you know, I would love to have some gallery representation. And so in March I applied to the art gallery of St. Albert. Um, So they do um, their call to artists quite early. So right now uh, the deadline passed in March and their, their 2020 exhibits. And so I'll find out June 8th this year, if I'm accepted for a 2020 exhibit with them. That's great. What I've seen because right it's not always easy to sell art. You know a lot of people love it, and right in in certain times like these, people can always afford it. But something that's really I think makes my makes my business stand out is that you know if you just scroll through my Instagram page, you can see that I can make quite a wide range of things, a wide range of products, so everything from smaller type gifts to sterling silver jewelry, to abstract sculptures that, you know, will speak to a certain person. And then with my welding experience, I can build functional art, build things like shelving and supports. So that's something that that I, one of my favorite parts about my business is there's not much repetition.
0: When you're at a booth or a table, do you ever have people ask you to make custom pieces?
1: Yeah, I have had that. Um, I've done I've done a few commission projects, and those are often really fun. I got to build awesome aluminum chandelier, which was the first time I really worked with aluminum because even in my welding career, I didn't really. So that aluminum chandelier is hanging at Azuri's Jewelers in downtown Edmonton.
0: And as a person that always carries cash on me, so please don't beat me up. Do you ever have anybody at a booth being like, listen, I only got 60 bucks on me and you're asking 80?
1: So kind of a negotiation?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of barter you on a, on a piece?
1: Yeah. At, at times that'll happen and I'm totally open to it, right? I usually kind of have in my head like my asking price and then, you know, what I would be willing to take if if offered and you know sometimes it's either been you know kind of a negotiation with cash or like hey I really want that piece if I buy that we throw in a couple of these small garden bugs or something like that
0: okay interesting and I do mm-hmm. believe as listeners please respect the artists if they're asking whatever price for their art pay them in full
1: <laughs> exactly and it's and it's hard to put a put a price on art yeah one of the one of the shows I just did you know a lady really liked one of my pieces and and she said, "Well, how much?" I said, "That one's five hundred bucks." And she said, "You know what? Fair enough. Like that's a work of art." And I said, "And it's one that's, you know, it's never going to be made again. So that's that's something that's really great. Is you know, I I don't often remake things, so people are getting a unique piece.
0: That's interesting that you said you don't remake things. And
1: mm-hmm. I would
0: actually imagine it's hard once you become an artist because you're always growing or you're always changing to." Uh, reproduce?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't often, you know. There are things that you know, like the like the garden bugs and the ornaments that I've talked about already. But as far as the the sculptures go, they're all one of a kind.
0: When's the next time you're going to Calgary?
1: I'm actually going to Calgary tomorrow. I'm going to take a drive there. I have four small art pieces that I'm going to display at Jaku Tattoo in Calgary. And so I was there at the end of March getting tattooed and they had a display case um, just sitting in their front lobby and it's empty. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm a metal artist. Do you want me to fill up your display case for you? And they said, okay. And I was like,
0: Oh, okay.
1: And, and they were serious. And so I'm so excited for that opportunity um, just to, to get my work out there and like kind of a, a really different venue You know, that that is, you know, from what I've done before, as far as vendor markets or art showcases, this is a totally different type of art. And people, you know, people who love tattoos get to see my art. And so
0: I'm excited to go there. Well, thanks, Maggie. What's the best way for somebody to reach out to you?
1: Um, They can reach out to me through um, my Instagram, they can message me there. Um, My Instagram is industrial.growth. My email address is maggie at industrialgrowth.ca, and I can always be contacted there.
0: Okay, great. And you can also reach me uh, at bisonmoon.ca, and I can put you in touch with Maggie uh, or reach the moon.ca. Thank you guys for tuning in today. It's Kevin. Please leave a comment on iTunes, and I hope you have a great